Hello, welcome, welcome to Age of Geek Podcast. Uh oh, we've got some echo going on there. Do you guys hear that echo? I did. Oh, now it's gone. All right. I think it's I think it's okay. Okay. All right. Robert almost jinxed us, but I think we're going to make it through just oh, with a little bit of Hopefully we, so. <laughs> Robert Robert and I are here. We are welcoming a special guest, Stephanie. Welcome to the program. We are so glad to have you here. Tell everybody a little so bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I am Stephanie Dole, and I am a lifelong Trekkie. Um, I got into Star Trek watching uh, in syndication the original series growing up in Los Angeles in the late 70s, early 80s, and then got into, my family loved watching all the movies. My dad was like an early adopter of technology, and we had them all on Laserdisc, and we would watch Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock and all of that over and over again as a family, and then the next generation when it came out. Um, and then for me, I got, I kind of hadn't been, I always loved Trek and always watched it. And then two things happened. The pandemic happened, obviously, <laughs> it was a time where I needed something comforting to watch and something that gave me hope. And um, right before the pandemic, my dad passed away. And so having like something that reminded me of him. And then through that, I have connected to such a great community of Trekkies that I have become addicted to going to cons and doing cosplay. I've been to a few cons in the 90s when Next Generation was out. Uh, but now I've really learned that cons have gotten so much better, especially for women. Um, you know, they're so much more diverse. They're so much more inclusive. And I just love going to them. So I've been do going to a lot of cons. I always go to Vegas. And you did a cruise Trek recently. Cruise. Yeah, I've been on the last two Star Trek cruises. And I love to sew. So cosplay has been a big thing. And um, a little bit about my other life self is that I'm an entomologist. And my first Star Trek cosplay was an, as an astro entomologist. I was Marta, which is a deep space nine deep cut of Jake Sisko's ex-girlfriend who left him to study entomology. So I thought that would be a fun thing. So I do a little bit of that. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I will say for those that are not uh, watching the video and just listening, uh, I feel completely out of place. I'm out of uniform. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm dressed off duty for you. Yeah. I'm just off duty. That's all. Wearing a shirt. Shirt. Yeah. Yeah. You guys both look great. We've got a couple of different eras represented. Uh, Robert, whenever you're wearing this uniform, I think of Cisco. I can't help it. That, that's I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> but i think that's mostly because i know you and i share a deep love for benjamin cisco and and his character so i will join in the love there for yeah. sure he's awesome. my favorite captain i love cisco well, i actually half expected stephanie to be in her uh captain pike uniform oh yeah i, I just didn't have time for all the hairspray <laughs> man <laughs> captain pike uh strange new worlds is such a strong show and i oh. just he is such a great leader as well. Uh, I, I enjoy him quite a bit. So. And Anson Mount is such a gift to the fandom too. He is just, yeah. he loves being part of this. And yeah, which is nice. Yeah. It's, it's always, whenever they bring in a new actor into these shows, that, I don't know that everybody understands the kind of commitment that a show like Star Trek or Star Wars or any of these kind of big fandom draws are. Uh, and so it's always nice to have somebody who's excited to be part of that and excited for the fan interactions and things like that, because, well, we benefit from that. <laughs> well, and to get to Picard, Todd Stashwick has been incredible in that regard. They brought him on the cruise as a substitute for another actor who couldn't come at the last minute. John Billingsley couldn't make it. And mm. he was 
fabulous. Like, oh, yeah. and, and we had just seen like two episodes at that point. So he was still Mr. No. And <laughs> yeah. Then, like everybody fell in love with him and he's a lifelong Trekkie and he has just been so great in some of the fan groups. I, I'm so glad that we have him. That's awesome. That's yeah. good to hear. I'm always, always happy to hear that kind of stuff about uh, the different actors and things. So yeah. Um, tonight's episode, we're talking about Star Trek Picard season three. It just wrapped up a cup. Well, I mean, just oh, wrapped up what ago. a few weeks ago, two, three weeks. Um, and uh, it's the end of the series. And I feel like out of the three seasons, this was probably the most well-received by fans and still pretty well-received by critics as well. So they seem to have found that magic balance between telling a great story and giving plenty of fan service, to, for lack of a better word. And I'm, I'm here for it. Like, I'm totally here for it as a fan. So I don't know. What were your thoughts of the, the season overall? Do you feel like it hit the right notes or was it too much or not enough? I will let Stephanie start here. Oh, man. There was a lot of fan service, for sure, especially in that last episode. Um, it was interesting because in the last episode, I was thinking at the point where Riker and Worf were on the Borg cube or on the Borg, whatever we're calling it, that was in the, on the planet. I, I was, I thought to myself, I'm okay if they die here. Like, <laughs> I'm okay with, like, it was a fitting, you know, it was okay. It and was then, a good course, day to die. Of course, the Enterprise swept in and, <laughs> you know, saved them. So, and but that was predictable that that would happen, right? Yeah. Um, but I definitely felt that. I, I love the story arc. I felt it tied up a lot of things. And, and sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes you just, you got to do that because if you don't do it, it it's, it, it's not satisfying, right? So I thought, you know, there were, there were things that people thought, oh, why would Jack suddenly be in Starfleet and this and that? But I felt like the story arc um, was really satisfying and that all the characters were kind of more developed versions of themselves they were believable mature versions of themselves mm -hmm. um, and i appreciated that i'm going to agree with pretty much everything that stephanie just said i thought that some of the callbacks not just to tng but some of the other shows as well was also was really well done um there was a ton of fan service especially in the back half of the season there was a lot of they set up a number of mysteries in the beginning that i think they answered most of them there was a couple of things i was like are they going to tie this loose end up? Are they going to do this? And having just read uh, an older Star Trek novel, Star Trek Unity, which was set in the Deep Space Nine setting uh, and kind of followed up on the Next Generation season two or three conspiracy with the parasites. Are we synced like... up or something? Because I literally finished that novel last week. <laughs> that was the one I mentioned before we, we started recording that I had to ask my friend what Whatever. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, oh, and then, so I'm reading that. I'm kind of like, is this calling back to that? Because I thought that would have been fantastic. Mm -hmm. But they did just enough with with the various shows, callbacks to different characters, callback to, you know, some deep cut characters. I'm just kind of like, wow, like I never expected to see Ro Laren ever again. And the fact that they gave her a a role that actually had substance and lit, lent some gravitas to what happened down the road was was great i mean it's like michelle forbes like you know that she comes on the screen she's like oh my goodness it's her it's her it's her it's her and you know sarah just kind of looked at me like okay yeah, that's great so you know getting things like that um one thing i will say 
Actually, I'll save that one for later. There was there was an appearance I was waiting to see that didn't happen. Actually, there were two, and I'll I'll save that for a little later on in the episode. I'm interested to hear what those two are because I wonder if one of them is is one that's been circulating quite a bit that people are a little disappointed didn't show up. But we'll we'll talk about that later. Um, I I agree that I think there was a lot of um, great callbacks in this season. Uh, I think that, I mean, there were just moments that, that just hit me really hard. I mean, them walking back out onto the enterprise bridge. Um, I, I got emotional. Like I should, it's a, it's a pretend starship in a pretend universe, but I didn't care. It was all real to me. And it was, it was a great moment. And I, I do agree. I cried. I, I have a lot of friends who don't cry easily. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so great to see it on screen again and it looked better than ever they you know they had to rebuild that whole set from scratch because the old one isn't there anymore so um but it looked great i i feel like the story was was relatively like it was well done it was better than the first two seasons in my opinion um and a little bit more cohesive i think um but i did feel like it was a little bit rushed at the end and i struggled with that a little bit and we'll we'll probably get there but overall the the season itself I thought was just a great way to end the series and I hope launch into something new um, that I wouldn't mind seeing more of some of these characters uh, in the future. So hopefully we'll get that uh, depending on what Paramount decides to do, if they're even going to keep streaming or who, what, who knows what's going to happen, but I hope that we get some kind of future Star Trek series with, with these characters. Paramount, so if you're listening, please keep, keep sending us more Trek. We need more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think this series um, did a lot to convince them to keep doing more Trek, because I think this yeah. is kind of that every series that they've done up to this point has been really mixed, met, met with mixed reviews from fans um, especially like, oh, I don't, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like Discovery, a lot of people that don't like a lot of the new Star Trek that's been done since they've started streaming. But this seemed to be the season that really got everybody on board with, yeah, we want more of this. Give us more of this. And I think Strange New Worlds did a lot for that as well. More of, yeah. it felt more like what Star Trek has always been. Not the Discoveries, but I'm not anti-Discovery. I don't want it to come across that way, but. It's okay, Jacob. I, we, we believe you. <sighs> Robert, <laughs> and the thing we got strange new worlds from discovery i mean come on how could you right. discover it yeah yep and and i it's the best thing that's come out of discovery that see it sounds like i'm being anti-discovery i'm really not I'm <laughs> no but i think that i think that you're right i think that because of both fan service and just how beloved the next generation characters are for so many people you know a lot of it was it wasn't our parents' trek, you know. It was the trek that we grew up with uh, mm-hmm. up until Deep Space Nine came out and then showed what a Star Trek series could be. But that's another story altogether. <laughs> but you know, you've got these characters that you grew up with. I mean, I remember uh, Next Generation came out my freshman year in college, and I was one of the guys on my floor in my friend group who had a TV. So we would cram into my room, into our dorm room, on uh, whatever night because they kept flipping it around in Indiana. Uh, whatever night it was on, we'd just be like, okay, what's going to happen? And just be like, whoa! And, you know, the first season mm-hmm. of Next Gen was good to have Trek back, but some of the stories were not the best. Mm-hmm. But it but it was something, you know, we, you know, 
season after season. We were just like, what, you know, what's coming up next? And so to have Picard back and to have him putting the band back together, basically, it was like, you know, happy, warm, fuzzy spot for so many people. So I'm glad that Paramount has responded positively to that. And is like, no, okay, this is what people like. And hopefully between uh, the ending of Discovery, the continuation of Strange New Worlds, and hopefully if we get Legacy, Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that we have something and, and even Prodigy. I mean, I'm waiting. Oh. I was actually surprised with how much I really, I enjoyed Prodigy and it was how I actually got my girls to start watching Star Trek because they were, you know, they'd come in, I'm watching Star Trek. They just like turn right around and walk out. Right. But I was like, Hey, watch this. And they're like, it's a Star Trek show. And then can we watch another episode? Can, can we watch another episode? And it was like, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So and hopefully as well yeah so hopefully paramount is, is actually paying attention and will is like okay this is what people want and understands that there's a love for these characters that has been built literally over 50 years at this point mm-hmm. and they keep going with it i hope so and getting the band back together that's really what this season was about um it starts out with uh picard and Riker getting back together responding to a message from uh, Beverly and then mm-hmm. and trying to respond and, and get out there and then it builds each character into the story and it was interesting because I, I we knew that right they announced that I don't know year year and a half ago at um, San Diego Comic-Con I think and said hey we're gonna bring everybody back for for season three and there's ways you could force that to happen and then there's ways to kind of write it into the story and I feel like they did a pretty good job of giving a reason for why everyone was back in the story instead of just saying, Oh, look, here's everybody back together in, in ways that don't make sense. Um, I think of Worf's appearance, particularly when he kind of shows up and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm good with this. This seems like something Worf would do later in his career after, after apparently he blew up the enterprise. E and decided to go into, <laughs> into covert. Well, I mean, Deanna did it. So I mean, she set a precedent. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. How much did you guys buy? I thought that the first thing that was a little bit of a catch for me, that was a little hard for me to buy, was that Beverly would have actually lost contact with all of them for 30 years. That was hard for me. I found that a little, I mean, I I think they kind of got explained with Jack, but I felt like of all people, she loved her crewmates. And that was a little hard for me to buy, that they just let that happen. Yeah, I, I I agree. And even when we got the explanation, yeah. I didn't really like the explanation very much. <laughs> to be yeah. fair, it was it was it was thin. It was paper thin. Yeah. But I mean, as far as moving the story along, I understand. You know, totally understand oh, why oh. they did it. But I could also see to, to play devil's advocate. You know, watching she's after the on again off again flirtation that she had with Picard during mm-hmm. TNG and the you know discovery that you know she that they'd had feelings even before that for her to be like oh well this just happened and I'm out <laughs> I can see you know part of that kind of there is this part of me that goes I can see where that makes sense yeah. just going like yeah I don't want you to have to deal with all the baggage that comes along with this but Actually, I'm going to have to get into one of my character misses now. I wanted to see Wesley. Yeah. I wanted to have him just to go, so wait, I've got a little brother now. Yeah. And he's a grown man. (laughs) 
I mean, I understand how this works, but mom, come on. And yeah. I realized that he's off, you know, gallivanting up through time and space. And it was nice to see him in season two, but I just wish that we'd seen him to close a little bit of that thread because we know how much that Wesley revered really Jean-Luc. Mm-hmm. And and he, he actually went from fearing him to finding him as a, a surrogate father figure. And it would have been nice to go, you know, close that family loop now yeah. with, you know, Jack being the piece that brings all those pieces together. Do you and, think and it, that Wesley would not know about Jack being a traveler? I forget. It's, it's like, not, not that he wouldn't know. told about the limits of how much the travelers are all. It's, it's not that he wouldn't yeah. know, but it's like going to your mom. Hey, mom, I know. I know, right? You know, it'd be that. And seeing yeah. that moment of Beverly going, of course you know. And it, not to nitpick, but I have a, a little bit of trouble believing that there are unwanted pregnancies. <laughs> at that stage in yeah. medical advancement, <laughs> especially for the medical officer. Chief medical officer, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> girlfriend's probably got some technology on her side there, but <laughs> again. Even ever, if nothing else, putting a baby up for adoption even. I mean, she's mm-hmm. got options. Yeah. A ton of yeah. options. Yeah. yeah. But, but it also did something that we've seen many times throughout various uh, incarnations of Star Trek, which is the parent-child relationship mm-hmm. in different ways, because we saw it with the original series very briefly, and I think a little too briefly with Kirk and David. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he never got that chance. Uh, I think that they did it much better with. I mean, you got to see the relationship with uh, Beverly and Wesley on the Next Generation, but you also got to see. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, with uh, Cisco and Jake on DS9, yeah, mm-hmm. you saw it with I cannot remember the Wiseman's names, the mother and the daughter on Voyager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it was something they did perpetuate because we also know that Enterprise was pretty much we're just going out here and hoping we don't die. Yeah. Right. So they didn't do it there, but they pushed it through all the you know yeah. most of the Burnham other series. And her mom, especially in the latest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and 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 even and something they did in a very curious way with uh, Strange New Worlds, Doctor Mbenga and his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was bizarre, but it was also it was you could see he was a loving parent with that. So getting to see Picard move into this sector was something I did not expect. Even though Riker's like, could you not see what the rest of us see? We, we are all talking about it yeah. behind your back, but. I, I didn't expect it, but the minute he showed up on screen, you found out it was her son. I'm like, oh, he's got to be Picard's son too. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, and I'm okay with it. I'm on board with it. But yeah, for for oh, someone who's as brilliant as Picard is, it took him a long time to figure out what was going on. Maybe so. he didn't want to. Yeah, that's true too. It's I mean, like going magic show. Of the doubt. If there's yeah. a final frontier for Picard, excuse the cliche, it's it's <laughs> getting along with children. It's accepting kind of this. Because that was always this thing with him, of course, that mm-hmm. was from the get-go that they set up. But he was also such a principled and loving man. And then there was mm-hmm. the whole arc with the inner light in that episode. And so, you know, I know that they kind of showed a little bit that he warmed to Wesley and that he took on a little more of a fatherly role for people. Mm-hmm. But it felt like an unfinished part of his personality, something that he needed to still mature into, not necessarily even being a father, but having that kind of a, a more mature relationship to that idea or that role with people. Well, and that whole idea is central to the plot of 
uh, the movie Generations. Yeah. That's his whole, did I give up too much to be where I'm at? And should mm-hmm. I have done this instead? And Well, even season and- two did, did a bit of it, though, when Q was just like, here, we're going to let you make up with your mother. I'm sorry, yeah. season one. No, it was two. When he, when he got two. to go back in time and mm-hmm. relive his experience as a child and actually see it with the understanding of an adult of what his parents' relationship was actually like what his relationship with them was like mm-hmm. so i mean i think that season two wove into this in that sense um i was disappointed that they did not do more in this season to address things that happened last season i think that was one of my biggest complaints we'll call it a complaint with season three was that there wasn't anything that was set up in season two that carried over into season three you yeah. know wesley is a great example of that like I, he probably knew about Jack, but they set it up where he was back last season. Why can't we see him? I mean, mm-hmm. the whole story centers around his family and we're not going to let Will come back for an episode. I mean, just something to yeah. connect with everybody. Not even uh, Q being dead got carried over. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did, it, but they did mention it because I, I did like the fact that just says like, aren't you supposed to be dead? Yeah. Yeah. So at least they did address that. Yeah. yeah. But but the the Borg from season two and okay this has been explained on multiple Twitter threads and Facebook threads and I get it because I was confused initially okay but everybody you know it was well they set up a different timeline and these were a different group of Borg once all of that was done and reestablished and everything but they're still out there so when these borgs show up the other borg aren't going to come and help the federation or anything like that they're just kind of we're forgetting that they're out there i don't know that was i mean there was no mention of it at all in fact they acted like the last time that anybody saw the borg was you know wolf 359 yeah <laughs> like yeah we haven't seen the borg since then or since janeway destroyed them in in oh, voyager yeah yeah and and it was like we haven't seen the borg since then but we did and yeah, and they, so I I think just, that was a little ham-fisted. Yeah. And that explanation for me was just like, okay, I can get through, there can be different collectives, I get that the Queen's consciousness can can rove, but you just set up an entire season to establish a change in the Borg and a change in the way that they address things and even petition joining the Federation. We're just not going to mention that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And and to be honest, okay, I was fine with, I'm always fine with the Borg showing up because I think they're great villains and they're, I always find them intriguing, but it was weird because we set it all up to be the changelings and then the last couple of episodes, nothing with the changelings until they said, oh, by the way, we fixed everything and the trans, we had it, the transporter set up so we can yeah. identify the changelings and we cleared them all out of the Federation. I'm like, well, that's a really convenient way to wrap up the story without <laughs> actually having to wrap up the story, but. The changelings yeah. got me on the. I was on the Paw Wraith fan yes. for a while there, with Jack's eyes going red mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing. Um, I, yeah. I, I cosplay as a Paw Wraith cult member, so I've got a I've got a great affinity to the Paw Wraith cult. I love that episode, and I love watching it over and over again. And I have because I was doing a costume, but I kept thinking, oh, you know, because you got changelings, you got all this Dominion stuff. Yeah, I was I was right there with you. I thought it was going to be the Paw Wraith and. Then it wasn't. Yeah. And I think we were supposed to. I think they were intentionally leading us that way mm-hmm. so that when it was revealed that it was the Borg, it was going to be that big, oh, the Borg. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I kept also expecting, because they said they were going to bring back so many things from um, the next generation just to kind of tie those up. I actually expected, I knew that, I knew that we were going to get Moriarty. Um, I knew that we were getting lore, but I actually expected to see another crystalline entity. I was just kind of like, because with the way that they were doing the, the uh, structures that Jack was seeing, even though they were viney, it was like, is it a next generation of the crystalline entity? Okay, let's see how they do this. And then it wasn't. I was like, okay, well, fine sorry but that wasn't the other character you were hoping was going to show up that didn't okay good i was hoping you weren't wasting the second one on that one no okay i I can tell you the second character i wanted to see was sila oh okay hasha's daughter from the alternate timeline because that would have been an interesting um person to drive the changelings after the federation because she has a few bones to pick with with picard and company so i would have that's who i was waiting for Mm mm-hmm I, I thought Janeway was going to be one of your picks because I know that's been a big one out there that people are kind of disappointed she didn't show up in this. But I'm okay because Janeway has got her own second series now. Yeah, so we got her on Prodigy. Yeah, yeah like, that's true. Janeway. So it's like, all right. I mean, we got hologram Janeway. We got real Janeway. So I'm like, we got I Tuvok. Oh, I guess we got real we Tuvok. We got Tuvok back. Yeah. yeah we, we, get, we get real Tuvok, Tuvok eventually. Yeah. We yeah. did eventually get a little real. So I'm okay with that. But it was just, you know, I, I just thought Celia would have been an amazing choice and one that very few people would have thought to bring back as driving, you know, a, a uh, wedge in the Federation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was yeah. my other person. I mean, the yeah. greatest complaint I heard about the Borg was simply that it has been done so much. It like, has. There were so many good villains. There was so much other stuff that could be brought back, especially because the Borg were in previous seasons of Picard. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, there was there was one other, um, along with Wesley. Since we did not see, um, we didn't see, and I cannot remember her name now. Um, Doctor Soon's clone, you know, the working yeah. clone daughter. Oh, Soji. So yeah. No, Soji oh. was Data's daughter. Oh yeah. From the first season, but I can't I can't remember who, um, the character's name. I have to look it up now, but, but because everybody else got some kind of a family reunion with the exception of the Rikers. And I think about it um, yeah. because like, where's Kestrel? Yeah. Where, who's watching her? She's like, she's 10. She's fine. I'm going to go off and gallivant in space. It, they did the old TV. Almost on the verge of divorce, maybe even. And, and then, yeah, yeah this is my, my wife and I always talk about this when we're watching a TV show. Cause it happens all the time when they're like, Oh, they're just out doing whatever. And nobody ever explains who's watching the kids. They just kind of <laughs> leave the kids somewhere and it's fine. And you're put, put, put like... on, put on some TV shows. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, all the other characters for the most part, um, Worf didn't, but then we understand why Worf didn't. If there's, there's a series explaining why a uh, new comic series explaining why Worf didn't but um data never got that kind of closure i mean there was data in lore but we have mm-hmm. um you know the rest of the the uh synthetics that his daughter is with we had the time traveling soon daughter and now apparently khan is related to the family which does not make me happy but yeah yeah, yeah. i would so i was a little bit and and maybe it's because i just don't remember this happening but with data so he gets emotions once he kind of gets lore he gets rid of lore but i feel like we did the whole storyline with him getting emotions in generations and then he was gonna turn off and then he didn't and then 
but now he's like dealing with emotions for the first time. So I was confused by that. Cause I, I thought that we did this part already, unless something happened where he deactivated it. And I just don't remember. I don't remember any deactivation. Yeah. Okay. All right. But again, going, like, I think, I think that for fans who may not have followed all of the movies or everything that, you know, seventh season ended and they're just like, okay, we're good here. This may have been a little more for them. The whole emotional roller coaster. Sorry, that came out yeah. before I realized what I was saying. I apologize. Yeah, and I guess that's true. But it, it's funny because in other ways, they totally did right for the fans who watched all the movies. Because when they talk about the Enterprise D and Jordy restoring it, he talks yeah. about you know they had to re- retrieve mm. it from the planet, the saucer <laughs> section, and then he had to build the other section, and which is so Jordy though. That is yeah. such a Jordy thing. Jordy just being a well, that wasn't unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it was, but it wasn't. <laughs> the thing is, though, the, the big question is, if he had to put all this effort together, somebody at Starfleet knew that they were building the Enterprise D or rebuilding the Enterprise D. Because you don't just go and get an entire saucer section off a planet. Just like, hey, I'm running into the store and picking up some some uh, some snacks. I'll be back in 20. Did his wife know what he was doing or with this one of those like mystery garage projects at night? <laughs> I think the Federation took it off the planet because of the prime directive. Oh, yeah, they, they couldn't leave it that. there. You're right. Yeah, they, they mentioned that mention they had that. to take it off because of that. And so he just, you know, requisitioned it and then rebuilt it. And I'm sure Jordy's done enough and he's the Commodore of the Fleet Museum. They were probably like, just mm-hmm. let him do whatever he wants to do. Like Post Let him butter around. It's okay. fine. Here's my question. Though. When did Jordy get so crotchety? Because Jordy was a right pain when he when he got, you know, when they first went to go see him. I'm just like, yeah, that, that's Jordy. When he had daughters that he was worried about their safety constantly. He became a parent. That's what he became. So like, no, like I'm not going to go on an adventure with you because that puts my kids in danger. Your kids are already flying out there or one of them anyway is. So, I mean. Yeah. He's probably ticked that Picard was even on his kid's ship. To be honest, he knows what happens when Picard's in charge. He's been there. You know, I was, Dr. Shaw. Was, was he more upset that, that Picard's there than Riker's there? Because you know that when Riker's there, it's like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Riker's an enabler, man. As a first <laughs> officer, he's an enabler. Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's well, go I think off that's why place. the fans loved the whole Shaw dynamic with them because. In one way, it was a little surprising, and but it was also kind. It was so rich because they kind of deserved it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're yeah, like they did. going in there and just doing I, what they want. And I loved the dinner scene between them and Shaw, where he's like, yeah. "Yeah, no, you're not taking my ship anywhere." It was sorry. So I get that you're an admiral. I don't care. This is my ship. It was. Well, awesome. He called them out on it as well, just like. Yeah, you guys, how, how did that work out for on your ship? Remind yeah. me. And that was one of the things that I found frustrating and endearing about Shaw at the same time. It was like, this guy's a dick. Yeah. But, but by the same token, you're kind of like, he's not wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everything he's saying, he's not wrong. True. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then we get the Wolf, uh, the Wolf 359 explanation. And yes. It makes right. Sense. Right. That's when everybody kind of went... Oh, okay. oh and, yeah. and from right. that, so the other person, another person I would have loved to have seen show up just for like two minutes would have been Cisco to, for him and, and Shaw to have like drinks at a bar, just like so that Picard guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I think the the Wolf 359 experience was when 
I was really when Shaw really endeared himself to me just because it did remind me of Cisco. And I'm like, okay, I'm on, I get it now. Like mm-hmm. that. I think when you're following a protagonist like Picard through the series and you go through best of both worlds and everything that happened there. And you're like, man, I'm so glad he survived that. And you're seeing it from the hero's perspective. Then to get it from the other side, of course, there's going to be people in the Federation that are like, you know, Picard's kind of a troublemaker and he almost killed us all. Remember that time when he came yeah. and he almost killed everybody and he killed all of my friends and he destroyed my ship and he, I get it. There's going to be people that are not happy with Picard. Well, and I'm glad that they showed that. Deep Space Nine was one of the first Star Treks because a lot of criticism is that, you know, these officers would go through these incredible events that would be incredibly traumatic to any human being, no matter how highly trained they were. And then they'd just be cleaned up and on the bridge again yep. in a few minutes. <laughs> and I think with Cisco in the beginning of D- Deep Space Nine, you saw that trauma of the, like yeah. you were saying, like the other side of it. And then this, and I think they're trying to address that more with a lot of the new shows, this idea that you don't just no matter how highly trained, no matter how professional you are, you're still human and you still have these reactions and that's made it more believable. And um, so, yeah, to have it come back to Shaw and, and seeing that other side of that, that event. And and talking about Shaw, you know, that brings up seven of nine, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. Commander Hanson. Yeah. Um, And that, that for him, I, I don't know what kind of, um, influence a captain has on choosing a first officer. I realize that there's orders involved and certain people are assigned to certain things, but to put a first officer who is Borg mm-hmm. and who prefers being addressed as her Borg identifier, mm-hmm. that for him, you know, the way that he kept her under control for his point of view by, by making her be referred to as Commander Hansen, you know, was just like, wow. And not understanding why until the episode with him in the bar with with uh, Jack and Picard, you're like, oh, you've got issues, but you've earned every last one of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. unfortunately, you can't take yourself out of the situation enough to see that your first officer is a very capable person until we see at the very end where he yeah. recommends her for captain. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. you can. It was just that we've got it. We had to get to that. We had to be able to see him get to that point. Yeah. Which is which was actually I thought really well done and well well written when they pulled that yeah. off, pulled that one. Yeah, I think up until that point you definitely think, man, he's got it out for seven of nine because mm-hmm. she's Borg. And like you said, it makes sense. But then to show his integrity at the end where it's like, look, she breaks the rules, but this is probably what we need in the future of the Federation, and she's gonna be awesome and she should be a captain. It was like, okay, there's his integrity. Like mm-hmm. Shaw, I think, is one of the most um, principled, most full of integrity captains that we've seen on screen in Star Trek. Even even though right off the bat, you're supposed to not like him because he's totally going against Riker and Picard. But then as you get to know him, it's like, yeah, because he's a captain and he's trying to save his ship, he's trying to protect his crew, he's trying to do the things that he knows are right according to the rules and the oaths that he took. And I have a lot of respect for Shaw at the end of the show, even though in the beginning it's like, I don't know what I think about this guy yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you get a chance to meet Todd at a convention or something, I highly recommend it. He was, he was just dove right into it to being part of the, of the community and the fandom. And 
I, I'm excited because FanX just teased that sometime this week or next they're they're going to be their big tease was just a picture of the Enterprise D and they said more guests are we're going where few have gone before or something like that. So I'm hoping some Picard uh, cast, you know, next generation, sure, but I would love to see some of the actors that we saw in Picard as well. So yeah. we'll see. We'll yeah. see what's coming. <laughs> So I guess we should actually talk a little bit more about the actual season. Um, Vatic, as a as a um, villain, I thought she was a fascinating antagonist yeah. to and to the crew of the Titan, and just watching her be as ruthless and driven as she was, and then to find out she's not in control. There's somebody pulling her strings, and that she looked literally afraid of. You know, whenever she had those, whenever she would go and and commune with them, you just had this look like mm-hmm. I'm doing the best I can. But it was kind of like crew of a star destroyer when Darth Vader walks on, just like, oh, what did we do now? <laughs> you, know, you kind of get that kind of look. Yeah. And you know, Amanda Plummer, I think, just you know, I love uh. watching her chew the scenery. To be honest, it was just like, okay, what are we gonna get? Yeah. She she was a really good villain, but you bring up a point. We never found out who was pulling the strings. They never reveal who the face was that she was talking to. Yeah, was it the Great Link? Was it? It was Odo. It was. It was all Odo. No. It was not Odo. <laughs> Don't you dare! No. You take that back no. right now. I regret nothing. You should regret everything <laughs> with that statement. I but but they never reveal that. Like I felt yeah. that they should have at some point said this is who was pulling mm-hmm. the strings behind the scenes especially because she gives us a very compelling reason for why she is the way she is toward humans Mm -hmm. and so it would make sense for her to be the one pulling the strings for all of the changelings because of what happened to her but then she's not but we don't know who is well so i'm going to give them an out for this for something that i had to just kind of consider like we never found out who it is i wonder if that's something that if they do follow if we do get a legacy series that you will find out that there are still pockets of changelings out there that feel like this and maybe find out down the road there, you know, who's, who the, the top antagonizing changeling was. Yeah. 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 It, it's possible, but she was a great villain right down to smoking the cigars and the ship. <laughs> oh, yeah. was just... Her whole aesthetic too was such classic Trek, like especially Trek movie villain, like that yes. kind of dark, smoky starship interior. And yeah, the leather and the gloves and the, it, yeah. It was very reminiscent to me of, of Wrath of Khan. Yeah. And, Khan, yes. and when they take over the, the Reliant and all of that, it was very similar to that in aesthetic and feel. And yeah. that is perfect. Anytime that you're getting compared to Khan and Wrath of Khan, I think you're doing something right as a yeah. Trek villain. Exactly. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Um, Roe. So going back to finding Roe, I was like, mm-hmm. the introduction, the reintroduction of of uh, Commander Roe was unexpected like i said earlier um it was a pleasant surprise for me even though she was dressing down you know our favorite captain and first officer and you're just like but 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 ro and you know looking at picard have to take a hard look at how he treated her Mm -hmm. and how she perceived him treating her 
And he's like, I tried to be supportive. And she's like, you drove me to do what I did. Everything I did was because of you. I'm just kind of like, going back to what you were saying that we've seen Wolf 359 from Picard's side. So seeing it from seeing something, seeing a situation that we've wanted him to turn out well for from the other side. And I was like, oh, she's, she's right. You know, she was just trying to do everything you could. It was, you know, breaking her to try and do this. And it broke her even more to have to leave. So I was, I, you know, I think that Michelle Forbes did, as usual, an amazing performance with her character in such a short time. And the, you know, I was not expecting her to die, but, we, you know, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. And I'm, well, I'm sorry to have seen her character die. I'm glad that we didn't lose Next Generation main cast to to the war with the Federation, I mean, the war with the Changelings and the Borg. So you wouldn't have been okay to go back to my early statement. You would not have been okay. Honestly, not okay to die for Worf. To be honest, I was trying to figure out when Worf was going to die. The entire time. Yeah, I kind of thought him of all characters for yeah. some reason, it's, just because the main, of his arc. The main reason for that was watching him be so calm and contemplative, which we didn't see. Definitely not during Next Gen. He mm -hmm. was reigning in a bit for ds9 or reigned mm -hmm. it in enough for ds9 yeah but for him to have the change for going from ambassador chancellor back to you know to a spy for the federation and but be so zen about it which kind of like he is literally going to be okay to die so i just yeah. kept waiting for the, i was like okay well it's going to be like five minutes no okay, especially when we episode. thought he died at Rafa's yeah. house yeah yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. I, so, I thought that was it. I thought that was the end of Worf when, when he yeah. died. died. But, <laughs> and then I didn't know if that meant, because sometimes in a story they'll do that where they kind of tease it and then later they actually pull the trigger. And then sometimes it's, we're going to tease it and get you up to this point. And then you know that they're going to be safe for the rest of the story. And I wasn't sure which it was going to be with Worf. I thought, I thought someone from the main cast was going to die. Well, and all I want to clarify too, one of the reasons that I was okay with some characters dying is I think that a thing that happens with shows like Star Trek where they're so reluctant to actually kill off mm -hmm. any characters is you you stop having that power with the mm -hmm. writers and what they do and you know to actually believe that it's going to happen. You know, Lower Decks makes constant jokes about this that like and nobody is going to actually ever die. Right. <laughs> you don't talk about what happened. Well, um, even but, with the first season, though, when they let Data find you know, the last yeah. construct of Data die, I'm like, that okay, well, that will be the last time we yeah. see Brent Spiner in that role. Yeah. Psych. Psych. Yeah. Yeah, and then Q. So I, I feel I feel like it, they kind of it's lost true. the ability to actually make me believe that anybody <laughs> could die. And that kind of takes this away some of that suspense in those intense moments where you think, oh, my gosh, are they going to get rescued? Is this going to happen? Is I, he going to fall that, off that cliff? You know, if you're just thinking the whole time. I, I think the only permanent die. death in Next Generation so far has been Tasha Yar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like Jadzia for Deep Space Nine. Yeah, but, you, but the deck symbiont survives, so we're yeah. good there. Yeah, yeah. yeah She's still kind of there. Yeah, yeah. There well, aren't a lot of really permanent Star Trek deaths without an actor either. Like, and then even with Tasha, we had you know. Yeah, we had alternate timelines and versions of her come back. And, True. Yeah, and the Romulan. Yeah. So. So. 
Yeah, well, I blame I blame William Shatner. It's his fault because <laughs> they killed him off in Generations, and then he wrote three or four books after that to make sure Kirk wasn't really dead. It's his fault. Yeah, I don't blame William Shatner for anything, but that you one blame him for that. Yeah, I could blame him for that. I mean, you could kill all, kill them all you want because you can also do an alternative timeline. I don't know if you guys read the Coda books, but they had to clean up the whole book series thing because they were basically told that the new series wouldn't you know, follow anything, hmm. the Coda yeah. books, the, the previous, all those books that those authors had gotten to write for the years that was no Trek. And they did this three series. I forget all of the authors who were involved, but it's when you hear their explanation about why they did it, they basically had to kill that whole timeline in yeah. order because they couldn't go with that anymore because now they were contracted to start writing Discovery novels and Strange New Worlds novels and, and tie-ins to all the series and Picard novels, which have all been great. Um, yeah. So they killed off that whole timeline because Card and Beverly had a child in that timeline. There was a whole other. Sometimes I have to yeah. remind myself what's canon and what was in the books. That well, interesting. I wonder if I wonder if Jack then was a peace offering of sorts to be killed off the timeline. But here we'll give you this. Yeah, it might have been because I mean these are authors. Some of them write for the series sometimes, mm -hmm. you know. And um, I feel I, one of the explanations that I heard about why that happened with the book series was they didn't want to have happen what happened to the Star Wars books, which was basically kind of this the same thing, yeah, dismissal of this entire thing that yeah. kept fans going for so long. They didn't want to kind of have it be that same sort of a, a feeling of bad, a bad feeling yeah. to end it, yeah. It's probably good because a lot of those fans still have not forgiven Lucasfilm for just dismissing the whole expanded universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think they wanted to do a little more right by them and give the authors a chance to tie that up. So, um, so yeah, yeah you like, could have killed off Worf and alternative timeline Worf shows up later. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, but it's true. I do think that they are very reluctant to to kill these characters off and. Um, I do think that you lose some value with the writing because of that. Cause you know, when they're building up to it, it's like, ah, they'll be fine. And even when Q showed up at the end with Jack, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Of course he's not really <laughs> sick and dying. Yeah. I mean, he is Q. Yeah. And, and I think as long as they will let him, John Delancey will play the character forever oh, yeah. because he doesn't, he loves it. So well, I mean, he, he loves that character so much. He played that character on my little pony. I mean, come on. He did. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Q. Okay, hold on. I need to look this up. I guess. So it's not it's not Q, but the character they have him. Um, oh, no, it's Discord. Uh, Discord. Yeah. Discord. So okay. you have you have the, the My Little Pony friends, and there's this dragon that is literally Q. Okay. And yeah. it, I mean, the way they write him is it's Q. <laughs> so yeah, anytime you give him a chance to play Q, he's going to be like, I'm in. Yeah. I, I tried to use that to get my daughters to start watching Star Trek. So I'm like, if you like this Discord, my little pony guy, mm. let me show you a couple episodes over here. <laughs> they, well, they I'm the winner it. here because I'm the one with a daughter who's a Trekkie, by the way. My daughter goes to cons. She cosplays. Awesome. That's <laughs> fantastic. In it, and her favorite is the original series, which is great. So she's going to be coming with you this, this September? Uh, she might. It's when she's in school, but mm. we're she's going to Vegas with me. She's going okay, to Vegas, awesome. with me. and in fact, we're going to go to Vegas for an extended time because it's the first time 
in the several years we've been going together that it isn't when she's back in school. I've literally had to pull her out of school on the Thursday of the first week of school to take her to the Vegas con and her teachers and principal have been so understanding. Um, they asked great. to see her pictures. She got a Klingon forehead made at one point and she does a Klingon cosplay. Nice. So, um, but this year it's before school starts again. So we're going to, we're going to actually go for like a whole week and visit a friend who lives in Vegas and see a bunch of stuff. And then that's awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, she I might join me in my parade cult member costume she's going to distribute she wants to distribute the suicide pills <laughs> that's her idea you're raising her right that's awesome <laughs> that's um a, things in other contexts that if you said would not sound great my daughter's right? going to distribute the suicide pills makes, suicide pills for the cult makes perfect sense at star trek it's fine convention wise it's fine we all get it so um so I mentioned briefly that we got um, Moriarty back mm -hmm. briefly. Yeah. And, and it was one of those things where I thought that he was going to be more of a force or more of a factor in the episode, in the yeah. series. Cause I mean, it would have been kind of fitting to have somebody with that. Everybody just written off. Like he's in a data cube off in Starfleet's, you know, data center somewhere. Yeah. And then you hear about the, you know, the, the Daystrom Institute or the, uh, Section 31 taking over that and having all these things like makes sense to make him your security AI. But then we get lore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, for years since Nemesis, we know that uh, Brent Spiner has been like, I don't want to do the makeup anymore. So to see him back, not just as data in the first season, but as lore and again as data, but a more human synth of data this time um, was not completely unexpected but was also it was nice seeing the interplay that the crew had with him or the members that interacted with him mm -hmm. because of the how much he put them through during the series mm -hmm. and i i credit brent spiner with playing you know over the course of three seasons data lore dr soong um, and I think that there was one other that he did, but at least three characters and having, keeping them as distinct as he did, as different as they, as he did and making each of them in their own way, believable for their, for their care, you know, their evolution basically. Um, and it was, it was actually two Dr. Sung's now I think about it. Cause he was Alton Sung in the mm -hmm. first season. So, Watching him do that, you know, for me, it was kind of reminiscent of as much as I disavow this movie, Christopher Reeve playing three different Superman in Superman three because you got him as Which Clark one is Kent. That? I don't remember that yeah, one. That's okay. It's okay. It was something I heard about. <laughs> it sounds like not very many people did, except for Robert. <laughs> no, but you got, you got him as Clark Kent and Superman. Then you got him as also the dark Superman. And he played, I mean, as horrible as that movie was, watching him play those roles that way mm -hmm. and give each of them the proper feel I have, you know, hats off to Britton Spiner for being able to, oh, to yeah. make each of the Soong family members that he played be individuals and not just be carbon copies of the same character and watching his conflict as data and lore was, was also just scene. fun. Yeah. That was, yeah. that was very satisfying to me. I thought. Yeah. That I, I really liked that. The, the passing off of his memories and the things that mattered to him, Mm -hmm. And then that's when it turns the tide, and he 
mm-hmm. ends up taking over lore. I thought that was well done. Yeah. And he has always been so gifted at playing the different characters, lore and data. And to see that face off again, it was just mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Yeah. Was, those are the moments that's like, yeah, this is, this is my Star Trek that I remember from watching when I was younger and the next generation, all of that. It was great to see it again. I guess that brings us almost, does it bring us to the reveal? No, it brings us to, no, it does bring us to the reveal. So, we understand how Vatic knew who was talking to Jack, even though we didn't get a clear explanation. But if she's running, if she's being somehow manipulated by the Borg, mm-hmm. then we understand how she knows who Jack is talking to, or who's sorry, who's talking to Jack. We now have a superpowered human in the Star Trek universe because Jack can read, no, can push his thoughts into people and can read humans. I'm just kind of like, okay, we have. We have Betazoids. We know that in Vulcans, we know there are telepaths. Mm-hmm. But now we've got this, you know, micro, no, nanobot Borg kid who's transmitting signals to people. And we're just like, well, okay, this is this is new. Mm-hmm. It's different. Um, a friend of mine actually had the theory well before they revealed it on the show that what if um, the Borg are talking to Jack? And I'm kind of like, that's a fascinating theory. How do you get there? And his his um, answer was when they rewrote when they in, um, sorry assimilated John Luke that you know there was something in his DNA that got passed to Jack. And I'm like, that's an interesting theory. And then to see that played out, I was just like, I kind of hate you right now. <laughs> that was a good call. <laughs> and also, McCoy was right about the transporters all along. The entire time. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was that was an interesting. You know, I wonder if they actually were doing that to just go, just go, ha ha, McCoy was right. So now you just see all these people on on the starships going, McCoy was right, <laughs> having the T-shirts. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna make one for September. Now <laughs> McCoy was right all along. Yeah, and don't trust anyone under 25. Yes, right? <laughs> Which, as I get older, I believe that more and more. I know. Is that a that's that makes a shout out to the how old the fans all are. <laughs> but being able to manipulate the Federation's own technology to use it against them in such a creative way, in such a quiet way, unlike we're going to pull this portal technology out of one of your secret bases and drop your drop your uh, recruiting center over half of a city, which I thought was, a, I mean, the effect of that, watching that, and watching Rafi's reaction to it was like my reaction, just like, did they just, oh my God, they just dropped that on the city. And you're watching the fallout from that. I think you never really hear much about it other than it happened. Right. Aside from the fact that Rafi, and I, I thank them for showing somebody who was concerned about it because Roe was kind of like, this is not your mission, wave off. Worf was like, you didn't follow the mission. But Rafi, the entire time, was like, we've got to figure out who did this and why. And Michelle Hurd has had a lot to do in the previous two seasons that that gave us some interesting character development and showing her relationship and her dedication to Jean-Luc that mm-hmm. he has fa- that he has fostered in what seems to be all of his crews that he's had and watching her struggle with her addictions and her mm-hmm. family life okay, and to watch her finally be able to say I'm right about this. You've got to believe me. Trust me here. There's something more here and not letting it go. I wish that we had seen a little more 
of the Federation side of, of following up on that. But, you know, you've only got 10 episodes, so you can only do so much. But, you know, watching the changelings go, we can subvert your transporter code just by being in your transporter. Good luck with that. Have fun. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see you on Federation, on uh, Federation uh, Frontier, Frontier Day. Day. Yeah. I really like that whole transporter storyline because it, as as a as somebody with a biology and science background, like the whole like, oh, that isn't something that could get really exploited in some very scary way, like reassembling yeah. somebody's genetic code and, and materializing them. <gasps> you know, it, it it helped. It gave me something that was like, oh yeah, see, there is a way that that's a little. I cool. just realized who else was missing. Thomas Riker. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, if you're going to be messing around with the transporters and make that part of the story, you got to put Thomas Riker in there somewhere. I mean, we get a ah, of that in that's his whole origin. <laughs> yeah. I, that just came to me. Shoot, man. Ah. That would have been a good one. Yeah, I, I liked I liked the transporter storyline. Um, I did feel like the portal thing kind of ended up being a little bit weird because I kind of just shoehorned it in at the beginning to say, "Hey, look at this. This is really scary and bad." But I think the transporter storyline and the whole Borg nanobots, like it really showed how scary the Borg changeling consortium. Yes, worked, right? And and how scary it was. And I mean, right down to, you know, they must have been right up at the top to say, hey, we're going to put technology in the starships so that we can now take command of every Federation starship and act as one unit. Okay. And nobody said... This is a really bad idea. Really Hold on. I'm, going to, I'm going to go one better than that. Yeah. Fleet commander or fleet admiral Elizabeth Shelby. Ah, ooh, that was, who, I love that. Who was right there at Wolf 359, who was right there under Riker's command when Locutus of Borg was like, you know, assimilation, you were all going to be assimilation, assimilated, resistance is futile. She should have been the first one to have been like, no. Yeah. But she's right there on the Enterprise, just like, all right, well, here we go. Here's our fleet formation. It's because she was probably a changeling, so she's not really yeah, I think she's- She'll be back in Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm realizing, I think that one of the reasons that they did some of these changes, too, with the Borg in this explanation is, you know, the, the way that the Borg were written was written for the 1990s and 1980s sensibility. And sure. now, like, what are people, what is frightening to us now? Things like, you know, mass surveillance and microtechnology and human beings and and technology being intermeshed, you know. And so the Borg already had some of that. But like, how do you take the idea of Borg nanobots and nanotechnology and Borg assimilation to to a more the mindset of where people are now with technology and what's possible? Right. Because that's a constant play, right? And Star mm-hmm. Trek is trying to like adapt the technology. We had the piles and piles of pads that you had to have for separate <laughs> date, you know, things. And you couldn't just have one pad that had it all on. And now we have to make that more believable, right? Because we right. all have a phone in our pocket that does all that. So I think that it was a way of making it more of what is dystopian and frightening to us now, um, as opposed to what was that to us in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent point. And changing all of the kids. So, yeah, I think that watching Jordy's reaction, now going back to Jake's comment earlier about he became a crotchety old man when he had kids, <laughs> watching Jordy's reaction to finding out that his daughter got assimilated was kind of heartbreaking. 
It was gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just like, oh yeah, I I get now why you didn't want your kid in Starfleet. You should you should work harder at that. You because you got two of them that are in. But okay, we won't we yeah. won't push you for that. But yeah. watching him have the frustration of I know you're trying to save your son, but my kids are in trouble and I need to fix what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And not only having to do that, but at the same time, having to watch his best friend decide, is he going to be his best friend or his best friend's brother? And that watching Jordy going, I could do all of these things, but I don't know who we're going to get. And the uncertainty that he had all of that on him mm-hmm. to, to make sure that, you know, because Picard's like, well, just, just get us data. And he's like, it's not that easy. Yeah, I, I can't make that just happen. Just you know, flick of the switch. If I, if I do this, it's kind of a crapshoot who we're going to get. Yep. And, you know, Picard being like, but just, just, you know, can you turn it on and turn it off again? Won't it just work if you do that? Mm-hmm. No, that that's not going to work. Yeah. Every Starfleet captain, it seems like just has no understanding of engineering at all. Like, I guess engineers never make it up to captain because they are did. always asking their engineers, just, just make it work. Like Scotty right. did eventually. Yeah. We I missed O'Brien in this. I'm realizing. I mean, yeah. I just want yeah. O'Brien back. I just want I, him back. Anytime you bring, I want the DS9 crew back, but that's just me. Yeah. yeah, I'll take all of them. But um, yeah. I, I will say that I will give you a side note that there is a a flagship Star Trek title in comic shops now, where Cisco is back after his time in the wormhole, and he's he is working with a multi-series crew. So characters from different series. I will not spoil who. I would say please go to your local comic shop and, and take a look at it. But it is fun. It's an IDW series, right? It is an IDW series. Okay. Yeah. I think I've I think I've picked up some of those, but I haven't haven't I, I go get my subscriptions and then I don't always read them right away. Well, you're it's only seven issues so far. Yeah. Um they're also spinning Worf off into a series that explains where Alexander is mm. and what's going on with him, which is called Star Trek Defiant. But yeah, but if you, if you want to have that experience, I would say go check out the uh, Star Trek comic as well. Nice. What is it just Star Trek? It is just Star Trek. Yeah. Wow. And there was a, uh, one of the free comic book day offerings was uh, Star Trek day of blood, which is a mini series. Um, that also explains what's going on with Alexander and Worf as well, kind of leading into something going on in the series later on. I was teaching my bugs of Pokemon at the library the other day, and they had the free comic day, comic book day book. And I was so thrilled. I did a little dance when I saw Star Trek one and kind of tucked it into my teaching bag. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So I guess we should wrap going into so we've gone we've we've seen before we do because we talked about miles coming back it would have been nice to see mashir come back as well yes like you couldn't be in there figuring out how to like and especially especially given he's gonna be high up in 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 starfleet at this point hopefully by this point he is and especially after the first season and it would have been a good tie-in because now that they've had changes in who's allowed to starfleet at this point uh, and what's acceptable? And granted, apparently um, augments are still questionable. But after his work in, um, you know, at DS Nine, especially through Dominion War, you think they cut him a little bit of slack. And especially yeah. if at this point in time, Dal from Prodigy 
if has at least been on a starship, if not has been if he has not made it into the academy yeah. and onto a ship after that, you know, I think that that would have been something else I would have enjoyed seeing. So hopefully we can see something like that if we do get legacy, just more augmented races, Illyrians finally being able to just be yeah. Illyrians. Yeah. Oh, hope, yeah. Well, I mean, with the way that Strange New Worlds ended, I guess we're going to have some... Something. Something about yeah. that, but, you know, not not yet, obviously, with where that's in the timeline. Are we going to talk about the poker scene? Are we yes. going to get to that? Is that on the The poker scene, yes. That was, I mean, I know a lot of people who wept when the, the ship was revealed, but the mm-hmm. poker scene at the end was... I was in the theater. I was in the IMAX theater showing in San Francisco for the finale. And <laughs> you could, you heard like the, the noises from the audience were just pure satisfaction. Yeah. Just everybody yeah. was so thrilled with that. That was. It was a beautiful callback to not just the end of the series, but also the series itself mm-hmm. and how often you got, well, not often, but how they did show that the crew had down, spent downtime together playing poker yeah and it was just it was a really nice touch if they couldn't give me wesley or seal or anybody else but it was it was nice for me to, 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 i'm not at all bitter good, good i'm glad you're letting go and moving past that robert i'm glad that you <laughs> no but I, I i appreciated it i mean i i was like i didn't expect him to just pull out the card after his after his toast mm-hmm. and then everybody's like I got I got time for a round of cards. Yeah, let's go. And yeah. it just felt like they finally had gotten through their con- collective crisis and were just being a family again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a very very apt way to wrap things just to show that, not to show Picard back on the vineyard, although Where's Laris? How is he going to explain, hey, not only did we strike up a relationship, but my old girlfriend came back, and guess what? I'm a father. Surprise! I've Again. seen some great memes about Laris <laughs> since Picard wrapped. Yeah, mean, there's a lot of great fan memes about Because, what? I mean, let's face it. She was, she was tall Shiar. If there's anybody in the Star Trek universe you don't want to get upset, it's Section 31 and the tall Shiar. Yeah. Uh, it is just oh, another thing from season two that they totally just said, yeah, we're not really going to figure that out. Let's move that. Uh, and, and the, the Vulcan but she was there, but she was there in the first episode. Yeah. She yeah. Was there. She was there. Totally... Like... That was it. Yeah. Well, and then the, the Vulcan kid, um, Oh, Elrond. Yeah. Oh. Who was on the Excelsior mm-hmm. that was now destroyed. So is he just, is he gone? I think that's what we're meant to believe that yeah yeah i mean obviously he's not because it's star trek so he'll be back somehow but <laughs> we'll see him at for family not for uh for family dinner yeah. one night yeah. you know it, it's it was nice seeing you know the touches that they did put in there i would have personally i'm sorry stephanie i would have personally loved it if tuvok had actually just they were like they killed all of the people that they impersonated. They're gone. And as sad as that would have made me, because like a Tuvok, you know, it was nice to see him back. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure that Janeway would have a few things to say if he didn't make it back. But I, that was one of the things I'm saying, like, if you're going through a war to eradicate 
these all of these people, not just the humans, but any solid at this point, yeah. any non-Borg solid, it seems to me like you would have just been like, okay, if you've extracted the data we need from you. And now you're gone. You're gone. Yeah. 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 That was a convenient part of the ending. And that's the thing. The last like five minutes or so when they're going through like, oh yeah, by the way, we fixed the transporters and oh yeah, by the way, we can now find all of the changelings that we couldn't find before. And oh yeah, by the way, everybody that they took, they kept alive because they wanted to get all the information from them. it. It all, that was the part where I, and I mentioned this to you, Robert, in a, mm-hmm. in our discord that I felt like it was, you're writing this really great paper in school and you've got it all crafted and everything's really great. And then you realize you've hit the word count that's required for the assignment. So then it's like, Oh great. Now I'm just going to wrap it up really quick and turn it in. And that's how the last episode felt. I felt like we needed one or two more episodes to really kind of wrap things up at the point we were when we got to the 10th episode. Uh, But we need just a longer episode episode seasons again. Yes. I would even be fine if they'd made it. I mean, so you saw it in the theater and when I heard that they were originally doing that, I thought Mm -hmm. they were going to make like a two hour finale episode. So I'm like, okay. But you saw nine and 10. Yeah. They replayed the ninth episode, which, you know, it was neat to see it in the IMAX theater and it definitely helped to kind of make the flow. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I thought it was when I saw how long it was going to be. I thought, Ooh, it's, it's going to be a long episode, but we watched nine and then 10. And then they had the live interviews that they broadcast. Um, yeah. That would have been but neat. yeah, it, it did seem kind of like, uh, I'm good. Uh, the end. Yeah. And, and, and poker scene fade to yeah. black. Yeah. And that was probably my biggest complaint about the last episode. And again, I feel this is what I love about being a Star Trek fan is we can nitpick at this stuff and then be like, but we still loved every minute we of love it. All of it. Yes. Yeah. So good. <laughs> but then my other complaint was just the constitution class has now officially become like the Tatooine of star Trek and that everything comes back to the constitution class. Now the enterprise G is the constitution class. There are like so many other classes of starship. Couldn't the Titan have been its own I, anyway. Can't the but, Titan just stay the Titan? It's got such more yeah. already behind it. Yeah. And then make the G something else. I loved seeing the enterprise F that was really cool. And I thought it was for cool two seconds. Got, yeah. <laughs> in those episodes that's what one of the spoilers i heard before i could get home and watch it was mm-hmm. "Ooh, the ship porn is really good <laughs> well, was, there was even, a lot so, of beautiful ships well even so even the the um the museum just mm-hmm. getting to see ships getting to see the the enterprise i guess a um the rebuild of that the bounty you know the, the defiant there yeah it's just like, you know, all these other ships that you've seen, um, there was a couple of others from, like, there's a Vulcan ship and a couple of others. You're just kind of like, oh, that's neat. Oh, that's neat. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry. That, I'm sad that we didn't get to see more at the museum, just like, you know, all these other ships that are that are there. But I am glad for what they did give us. And then what they truly gave us, the gift that they gave us of the Enterprise D coming out of space dock. It's like, how many people does Jordy have working there? Because it seemed kind of quiet, just like him and his daughter. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I realize that, you know, going out in the garage and looking under the hood with your kid is one thing. We're talking a starship. So it's got to well, be all like those little bots they have in Discovery. I love oh. those. The little ones that go out and repair the okay, ship and true. help them take back the ship. Yeah, true. And he, like mentions that they have, he mentions they have drones that kind of put everything together, or loaded the torpedoes, right? He says yeah. the drones are loading the torpedoes right now. But yeah, there was no 
Nobody else at the like nobody walking around. Nobody like, oh hey, I'm I'm off duty now. I'm going to go. But you know, you know, anybody could do that. Jordy could. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> true. It is Jordy. Yeah. And again, I'm telling you, he, they probably just said Jordy can just do whatever he wants. Just leave him alone. <laughs> let him Jordy. let him putz around in the garage. He'll be fine. It would have been interesting to see Jordy and, and O'Brien together. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, just two engineers from two different, you know, from from the Enterprise for one. You're just getting together and going, so you're going out with the old man? Yeah. He wants to go do a thing. All right. Well, you know, let me know if you need any help. Okay. Have a pint. And then, you know, take off. It would be interesting to see O'Brien and Jordy try to work together because I think their engineering styles are very different. Vastly different. But but I think that they would they would figure out that okay, he you know, the old man needs X to happen and he needs it to happen yesterday. We're gonna you know, we'll put our differences aside because I mean he was able to do it with Scotty and let's yeah. face it, their engineering styles were diametrically opposed. <laughs> Yeah, this guy was was much more of like hit it with a hammer until it goes faster. <laughs> you yes. know who else was very loved in the live screening? The cook. There was a little bit of like later really? on. Wait, why did they have a cook on the ship? But the cook, remember the cook that Seven is like, you need to do this, and he says, "Ma'am, I'm just the cook. I don't know." Yeah. And she was. The people were cheering for that character. Aww. Although a lot of people were like, "Wait, this isn't Voyager. Why do they have a cook?" Yeah. Replicators, but it's <laughs> because the captain doesn't eat replicated food. The captain's mess. You know. I mean, let's look at it. It. It was. Uh. It was Sean. He's like, you can replicate me a steak, and you can get spaced, mm. or you can go cook me a steak. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Sean. I guess he's a very by the book guy. Yeah. Yeah. Why the book would have been using replicator? <laughs> Get out! Yeah. Oh, it's big. <laughs> All right, and you know we wrap it up. I think that it was interesting that going back to something you said very early on, uh, Jake, about it was kind of fitting for Jack to wind up in Starfleet. You know, since his mom and dad are admirals they've saved the universe more times than anybody outside of kirk um and especially given how vehemently opposed he was to anything starfleet when we first met him you know what a difference a year makes Mm -hmm. but i've loved the fact that picard was trying to downplay the fact that he's the son of two legendary admirals like names don't mean anything and they've kept the secret from him about the g and Jack just coming up to him and going, names mean everything. Yeah. Like, that was that was actually really well done, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. The way you just described him, though, I feel like Jack Crusher is basically Chris Pine's James Kirk from the from the Kelvin timeline. Wants nothing to do with Starfleet because of his dad. Mm-hmm. gets forced into it and then everybody's like oh he's great let's give him a starship because that's basically I mean, he's not in command well neither was kirk in in the kelvin timeline originally right well my goodness they just recreated kirk wow okay <laughs> thanks, recreated kirk thanks for ruining that for me. <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't trying to ruin anything i'm just saying there's a lot of similarities that's all i'm no. saying the way you described him uh, no, you that actually for me first and i just returned the favor so thank, there you thank go. you that was very kind of you. 
but all in all, you know, we got to we got to spend more time with the crew that we loved. I, I'm sorry that we did not have more time with Deanna Troy, other mm-hmm. than as prisoner and as briefly on the ship going, I can sense where they are, yeah. which really harkens back to be honest to how they treated her in the early seasons of start of next generation um you know she was kind of just like there to like oh we need somebody who can do this so that we can get to this part of the plot oh deanna do that but it was nice it was great to see her i enjoyed seeing her in the first season when picard was on the run again mm-hmm. that man just stays on the run at 100 and however old he is how does he do it but yeah. but it was good to see her it pushed a lot of the right buttons for me as far as that, like I said earlier, warm, fuzzy place in Star Trek with the crew that, you know, I, I grew up with mm-hmm. as opposed to the ones that I was introduced to by my parents and then grew to appreciate. And I think that Paramount did a fantastic job. And I know that not John Picard, Patrick Stewart has said that it would have to be something phenomenal to bring him back into another season but he did not write it off completely you know i would love to see them be able to have something this broad in scope that challenges the crew or that brings him in for even a cameo Mm -hmm. uh it's somewhere down the road and you know kudos to them for for being able to do something that their competitor franchise for example started to do and then turned 180 degrees away from by giving into fan service. I think that, I think the Paramount gave just enough here to make it awe and endearing as opposed to too much, way, way too much. Just, just giving it all over mm-hmm. to the fans and being like, we don't care anymore. Here, here you go. This is what you want. We'll give you all of it. Yeah. And I think that they found that very delicate balance and tread the line carefully with uh with this 10 episodes so i i am happy to see it if if we don't get any more picard or anything related to these characters i'm okay with it and hopefully we can see what they do next with legacy and strange new worlds and next year with discoveries last season yeah it was very satisfying i mean i know we've been you know when you end up talk discussing a show like this you end up kind of picking at things, but I found it incredibly satisfying overall. Like I would have been okay with some more people dying just to make it more believable. Um, and, you know, but everything that was fan service still felt right. I think you're right, Robert, that it was a good balance of um, enough fan service. You, you had to do some of that. That's yeah. why we're all still here for it. I think that that was one of the big complaints with, seasons one and two of Picard is that there wasn't enough of, Hey, we've got these guys in here. Like, give us, give us more. Uh, and so I was really glad that they definitely brought in a good dose of that this year. And I, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit as well. Yeah. Every series is not perfect and, and it's easy to pick out some of those things, but overall that I was entertained. I enjoyed it. I looked forward to it. Thursdays were a highlight of my week again to say, okay, great. Another Star Trek episode is on. I'm going to watch it. I've got to see what's going to happen next. That's what a series should do. And it kept me in enthralled until the end. And I thought it was just really, really well done and great. The nostalgia was awesome. I'm always here for it. So, well, that was Picard season three. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here on the show today. 
Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we'll have to have you back on again. We, Robert and I are trying to drive more Star Trek on, on Age of Geek because we cover so many other topics and we're the two big Star Trek fans. So we'll try to drive. You have to come join us over there on the Discord because we, we yeah. could use more, more people that have a strong Star Trek voice. <laughs> and it sounds like I'll see you at Van Expo. So I'll have to go check what they've announced so far and start to plan my trip. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be good to meet you in person. Robert's yeah. met you, obviously, but it would be good to meet. Careful with the candies my daughter's handing out. That's all yep. I have. Thank you for the morning. Good morning. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening and watching. We really appreciate your support. Make sure you check out our Discord. We'll put the link in the description for this video, uh, and you can join us there. We have channels or threads or whatever it's called on Discord. Because I think legally I'm too old to actually be using Discord. Uh, but uh, we have them for all sorts of different topics and fandoms. So we would love to have you there. Everybody is welcome. Uh, and then make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. And oh, Robert. And before we go, Stephanie, let people know where they can find you and your socials. Oh, yeah, I do. So my I don't do tons on Instagram. I do a little bit. It's at so many Beatles because I specialize in Beatles. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, my and if you're in the San Francisco area, yeah. how can they find you if they're, if you have Beetlelady.com. I'm, I'm interested in doing, I want to start doing some talks about, um, cause I do a bugs of Pokemon class. I do a bugs of animal crossing class. I'm interested in doing, um, I want to start doing it cons like bugs of sci-fi and bugs of video games and bugs and comics. So get to talk about everything from Mothra to, to the, you know, how the Sarlacc is like a antlion larva and things like that. So I'd love to do that if anybody's interested. Sometimes me just doing a program is having somebody who's interested in having it. Oh, nice. So yeah, I'd love to see that crossover happen. Excellent. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I love, I love bringing in that kind of real life science, whether it's, it's bugs or physics or whatever it is and, and connecting it with the fiction and the stories that we love. Mm -hmm. um, because it, it just makes it more interesting in my opinion. So I think that would be great to see stuff like that. So I hope that in future fan X's that you're presenting that I would definitely step into that. Yeah. Yeah. I have to start getting it going. I'll get it in on time. Awesome. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, thank you everyone for listening and watching. Um, we appreciate your support again. And I don't have a cool cat. What do we say at the end of this, Robert? I guess just, wow. Hey, yeah. hey, whatever it is. Seven says when she wants the ship to go. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's what we'll do is we'll give the word. Are we going to say engage? Or are we going to say make it so? And we're just going to point that, our finger. I think that, I think that uh, engage because, you know, it is the last Picard. Oh, yeah. so I think it kind of has to be engage. Engage or make it so. I love yeah. that they left it, though, like this where she said. Mm. This has been an Age of Geek media production.